Um, welcome to EgaCast. I appreciate your time and your help. <laughs> You've been great, uh, gracious to help me with a few things uh, from a technical side. But um, uh, if you could take a, a moment and just introduce yourself to the people. And um, and then we'll pick up okay, from well, there and start this discussion. Uh, All right. Yeah, Earth. no problem. Uh, so, yeah, you know, peace and love to everybody out there tuned in. Uh, my name is Cody Mayo. Ahau. You know, that's my, like, uh, indigenous artist name, basically. You know, name change I had. It's not my uh, name I was born with, but it's a Mayan name. Um, I... I basically um, have a YouTube channel and uh, I basically teach alternative history uh, that they don't teach us basically the one that gets left out of the textbooks. Um, it's a fact that a lot of things that the 1900s was removed or was um, personally left out of the textbooks and there was a whole narrative um, for a certain reason, and they wanted us to believe a certain thing, and you know, and that's what we've been living for almost a hundred years, or more than a hundred years now. Um, so my, my is about real world history, specifically American history, ancient history, and uh, I just want to say that you know, Papi uh, Criollo, a little bit, and I grew up with Criollos. I grew up in Boston. Um, I know a lot of Cavernians out there. Some. Hopefully, I see, you know somebody's listening that you know that knows the people I knew and Cavernians I knew and might know, know me. But um, so I'm, I'm I, I mean since five years old I grew up with Cavernians. I mean 20 years. You know I was uh, I lived in Dorchester, uh, in Boston, uh, Roxbury. You know Cavernians were like basically like family to me. I was in the family parties. I'd even go to the family parties and be like. Oh, if Judy can, you're telling me who, whose son are you? You know, like, you know, everybody thought I was Cavernian. But um, so what I'm trying to say is um, there was, I learned a lot from growing up with you guys. And I, I, there were certain things that I noticed that was more like my people in Costa Rica and less like, because I knew West Africans. I knew Nigerians. I knew a lot of people from West Africa. And it was, they were not the same as Cavernian people. Cavernian people reminded me more of my people, more of island people you know, the soccer, the music, you know, the food, you know, and everything you guys did was like, wow, I mean, it's, like, it's like I'm hanging with my Costa Rican people. I'm from Costa Rica. So um, doing my YouTube channel, I was able to like find out certain things that we might not even know. Um, it, it, and that's something like um, with Kiko, I was letting him know that, you know, before even, we even get to the point where, you know, about the certain things that, that, um, might you might need to be aware of at least if you never heard about it before, never even thought about it. But you know, it, it there's a fact, and um, I don't know if you have my screen shown that picture. Do you? Do you? Kiko? Yes, I do. Okay, so if pe can people can see that, right? Right. Okay, so this is what uh, this is what New England tribes look like. This is this is the Wampanoag. This is the Wampanoag people. All right. Um. And, you know, they told us that when we see a black Indian, the, the, the story is that, oh, they were mixed with runaway slaves, African slaves. That's why they're dark skinned, you know, but these people are 100% full blood Wampanoags. And once I started um, doing my channel after three years and after 
really proven that, and I don't think this, you know, uh, uh, to sound cocky then because my work's in my YouTube channel, anybody can go see it, um, that they really lied to us about the slave trade, about history, about the cradle of life, cradle of civilization. You know, this is may, maybe get a little deep, but, you know, it was really basically told in reverse. We're telling a long story short here. And when Columbus got here, there was already pretos over here what you guys call pretos, right? You know, and and they weren't African. We thought they were. We thought, oh, there was Olmecs here. <clears throat> they thought they must have been Africans that came here a long time ago, you know, Mansa Musa and all these, you know, we've heard of them all, right? And uh, when you go research stuff, really, when you actually go research and not read only the books that they tell you to read, like go to contemporary books, like from the Portuguese and Spanish, like I got the voyages of the Portuguese, where they were going, you know, who were they enslaving? You know, what they were doing in those times, not what a textbook is telling me. So you go to the actual source, primary source, and it's telling a whole different story. And long story short, since I grew up with you guys and I already knew, I had a feeling, you know, I started investigating more and more and I realized that a lot of the American Indians, because see, the thing is, if I want, before I say what I'm going to say is you got to understand that they, they lied to us about who they were enslaving, right? It was a company, it was a venture. They had already the indentured servants from Europe, their own people that they wanted to get rid of. They were calling them undesirables. And just so you know, there was black Europeans at this time too, still very much so, a very large majority. So a lot of those indentured servant Europeans were also Preto that were coming over here and eventually would be called Negro too. And then African-American, they will group up anybody that was over here, dark skin, eventually when time went by. And um, the pale-faced Europeans, the Blancos would, you know, there was a separation coming. It was, it was becoming a complexion thing, but it wasn't like that in the beginning. There was white slaves, you know, everything. There was black slave owners. The first black slave owner was Anthony Johnson. You can look this up. And he was the first one to own a slave for life in the 1650s. His slave went to court for his freedom because his slave wasn't a slave slave. He was an indentured servant. Slavery didn't exist. And I know maybe a lot of this you guys never heard of, and so I don't want to get too deep with it, but just know that slavery wasn't the way it was told to us. And, and if I invite you to my channel if you want to go see the proof. Um, but we're going to get to the Caverding part. So knowing, knowing that there was Preto tribes over here, and then knowing what the uh, Wampanoag, what the New England tribes, but Botox, Nova Scotia, the Nanticoke, the Nans, um, so many tribes, Lenape, like all East Coast tribes, I started noticing that they look like Criollos, more and more and more, the Pequit. And I'm like, okay, okay, so you told us these are all Africans mixed with Indians, but I've seen everybody's like that. Where's the mix? You know, especially New England East Coast tribes. And, you know, when we go find out and we learn that the Portuguese were and they recorded and the Spanish that they were enslaving North American Indians and bringing them to Cabo Verde before even the whole slave trade years since the 1501s. All right. So I, I like to uh, start out with an image uh, real quick. It's from a book. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to show a lot of images. Just bear with me one moment. Sorry about that. Pull it up. 
Anything you want to add in between, uh, Kiko? Yes. Or translate, in case. Uh, I'm trying to get back live because, unfortunately, it dropped. Oh, okay. For some reason. Did you get a pop-up, like a warning or, or a crash it was, thing? It was, going, it was going live, no problem. And, okay, now it's back to, to live. Can you can you send me the link where I can view it like as a as a as a viewer like the Facebook page? Can you send me that uh, so I can? Yes, yes, I can. So uh -huh. I can share that with my people. Like I told my people, I was gonna do this, so they're waiting for me to. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing is that uh, I'm still you know still new to this. Okay. So okay, but I see here the live uh, stream. Uh, uh, I'll text it to you. I think that would be the best way to do it. So yes, we're back live. We dropped off a little bit. Um, okay. So uh, go go ahead and um, you know continue proceeding. Uh, if, All right. Uh, so basically, can you repeat a little bit that the last part that you said? Because uh, that was powerful about the okay. the Cape Verdean, um, you know, the association with uh, uh, with with the uh, native tribes of uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, no problem. I have it right here, just bear with me. Okay. All right, so I'm just gonna read this real quick. This is from the book, uh, Africans and Native Americans by Jack Forbes. Um, and it says here that Columbus was the major supplier American slaves 1500 right so Columbus wasn't just a discoverer he wasn't here lost he knew what he was coming to do it's uh mentiras you know like when they tell us he was lost and it's, it's, it's a lie he knew what he was coming to do they already had their papal booth since 1452 to come invade and conquer you know the anybody who's the enemy of Christ or anything like that any uh, pagans savages Saracens as they called you know us um, so it says here that Columbus was the major supplier of American slaves uh, prior to 1500. As noted earlier, he caused more than 3,000, perhaps 6,000 slaves to be sent to Europe. Uh, and also, if we are to, be, to, be, believe, to be believed that his plans were implemented to the Azores, Canary, Madeira, and Cabo Verde Islands. All right, by the year 1500, however, great escalation began in the shipment of Americans across the Atlantic, since other Spaniards and Portuguese became directly uh, active. In the year 1500, Americans were directed to Europe from the Caribbean islands, from the coast of South America, and from Terra Nova. Terra Nova is Newfoundland. And so a lot of those tribes who also look Criollo, we're going to show this, uh, you know, were taken over there. Um, let me see, I have another one here. All right, I got this one. This is uh, from the book Lies My Teacher Told Me. All right. And it says, Columbus not only sent the first slaves across the Atlantic, he probably sent more slaves, about 5,000, than any other individual. All right, he was a slaver. He came here to slave. He didn't come here to conquer or anything. He was a slaver before he came here. That's the history people don't know. He was a major slave. He, he, he was on a ship since he was 14 years old. And they were doing this over there. So he was an expert. Slaver, reason that commissioned him to come here, 
um, and his knowledge of what was over here, because he knew America over here. It says, to her credit, Isabella opposed outright enslavement and returned some Indians to the Caribbean. That's, they want to make it sound good right there. But other nations rushed to emulate Columbus. In 1501, the Portuguese began to depopulate Labrador. Labrador is up there in Canada, Newfoundland area, transporting the now extinct Botox Indians to Europe and Cape Verde as slaves. All right. Now, so, so cool, cool enough. Uh, let yeah. me um, let me just stop you there for one second. So, because the narrative that we've been taught to believe is that these Europeans came to the New World, Americas, and they wiped out the natives, and then they went back to Africa and brought in slaves to the New World. Now, what you're saying is that they came here and started the slave trade or the slave commerce from here amongst the native tribes from the Americas, which makes a lot of sense because why bring someone across the Atlantic when you already have them here? From, from a business point of view, right? Obviously yep. it's, one of the, it's probably the worst atrocity uh, of mankind uh, is that commerce, the capitalism of slavery, uh, not to make light of it, because to me is one of the greatest atrocities in human history. But if you're looking at it, why go to Africa, deal with them, and run the risk? Because Africa at the time had still had uh, kingdoms and empires still in in place, and uh, deal with that when if you could come here, they're already here. So go go ahead. Yeah, exactly. So, see, that's what I wanted to say. So, you made a good point. Now, they're going to always tell us that they went extinct, right? They're like, oh, the language went extinct because that's the high, that's part of the hijack, that's part of the lie because they didn't take all the tribal people. They can't take the whole tribe over there. You know, they, they didn't. There were thousands of people, you know, and, 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 you know, they decimated the tribes a lot. And maybe the tribes unfortunately got enslaved and maybe had to join other tribes or, or got enslaved by other tribes. Um, but that's one of the lies they say, and you'll see that it's a recurrent theme, theme that they'll say, oh, these, they're extinct now. Because they don't want you to link, because they don't want you to find a Botox, a modern day Botox, who's probably today calling himself Negro or African American or even Cape Verde. And now, let, for the, let, a lot of you. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. Yeah, yeah, no. I was going to say, and for a lot of you, that's what it is. You know, you, so, you so at some point you became converting, but it wasn't always that. Here, here's a very important dot that I, I personally failed to connect. But it's all logical. It, may, it makes sense, but I want you to, to speak on it. Whaling. Whaling, I know traditionally for a lot of Native Americans, especially even today in Canada, it's, uh, it's legal for certain tribes to continue the, the hunting of whales. And obviously, they don't do it for the commerce. They do it for, for necessities and their, 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 their traditions. When they kill these whales, they consume the, everything about the whale. Nothing goes to waste. Now, the Europeans, when they came in and they started the commerce of whaling, that was detrimental because they just completely wiped out pretty much all the whales. Um, and, and most of them. 
So the point is, is that in the, the area today, which is referred to as Cape Cod and the islands, Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket, those used to be the, 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 the homeland of the Wampanoags and the different uh, sects of Wampanoags. And they were the ones that were known for being uh, whale hunters. So that is a very important dot to connect because naturally Cape Verdeans started immigrating to the United States as early as we, we know, they started via whaling ships that used to stop in Cape Verde uh, to reload and uh, uh, get supplies and, and so forth. And uh, they used to pick up uh, Cape Verdean, um, young Cape Verdean men to come uh, uh, and, and work and naturally they would come to New Bedford and so forth. So can you talk about that and maybe help connect the dots between the, the whaling, Wampanoags and the Cape Verdean? Because yeah. this is what I think a lot of people well, yeah, well, uh, I hope, well, I know that Criollos majority speak English and, and understand it really good. So I'm going to try to like, the reason I was showing this image first and I start at 1500 and not whaling because whaling, we already know it was after the 1700s. Right. And that's when they want, they was, that's when they want you to think, start thinking or, or that Cape Verdeans appeared here. You know what I mean? But that was the point where they were started to come back. This is the, 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 the reason I showed this image be, because it's what I wanted you to, if you know Cape Verdean history, what they tell us, right? They say it was uninhabited. Right. And they, and they say it was, it was made, ha, ha, it was populated with slaves because it was a slave colony from Senegal. This is the official story. All right. So I know a lot of people, I just want to show some first, you know, before like I continue because, you know, I, I sent this to Kiko and I wanted to, uh, Go ahead and show everybody, because I know you want me to get into the whaling, but there's there's a whole lot of understanding. Oh, yes, yes, go, go ahead. And, uh, Bef we, before that, you yes. know, because we got to start right from the origin. Yes. Or else people will be like, because then people's going to be like, well, Indians went over there, but they mixed with Africans. Right. And I'm going to show you it wasn't Africans. I'm, I already showed you two sources that then you know from the Caribbean and from New England. Cape Verdeans going there, and those books are very scholarly. They have this, they get in it from primary sources. You know, this is not a may may. I made that may may, so I made that. I grabbed it from the book. You know what I mean? So, right now, I have an article because you got to understand, right? So, I have uh, let me see. passage. So, the story about Cape Verde, like I said, it tells it was uninhabited. Portuguese founded in the uh, 1440s, I believe, something like that. And, and and then they brought in slaves and they populated it, right? That's the story from Senegal, mostly. Now I'm showing you this newspaper article. This is from May, no, actually January 30th, 2005. So I want you to realize what's going on. This was 15 years ago. And have they updated the textbooks? After we read this, you ask yourself, have they updated the textbooks? No, they haven't. They're in your land, and there's a reason why they haven't updated. So let me just show you, all right? So they're gonna tell us the hijack story, right? She has a reason for that because that's what this is what everybody wants to hear. And I'm gonna let me, if you allow me the time, let me just you know get through this because uh, this you know this is the story we know right here, right? So let's let, it's gonna make us emotional, right? So it says standing on the elegant curved stairway of Senegal's famed slave house, 
Joseph S. Diane holds a pair of black iron shackles and recites the horrors of the Atlantic slave trade. More than 20 million Africans left through the house of notorious door of no return. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. They have it in reggae songs and everything. Bound for a nightmarish voyage to the Americas. Andy or Dai said, even before departure, families were separated and children thrown in chains into their own dank. Stone holding cell, today marked with the sign of French infants. African captives judged worthless as slaves were tossed to the sharks, he said. All right, so very, very fucked up, right? My, excuse my language, sorry. During the month long voyage by ship, 25% to 30% of the shackled men and women on board died from the cramped conditions, bad food and water and disease. Young women were raped by crew members. And once in the new world, the Africans were prodded like animals by potential buyers, then sold by a number based on their way and condition, NDIE said. That's where people said goodbye forever to Africa, said the slave house longtime curator and historian. So he's the official curator and historian, long time, meaning he's been the one. And I'm, this, basically what I'm going to tell you right now is he's a gatekeeper. All right. We, we can't ignore that there's people gatekeeping things. There's Freemasons, there's secret societies. There's, there's a way to maintain the light worldwide. You need a whole network of people helping you do that. All right. There are reasons I don't know. You know, that's their personal reasons why they choose to help, you know, enslave us mentally. But so he says, gesturing dramatically toward the house famous stone door high above a bank, a black rogue's edge in the Atlantic Ocean, Gory Island, he said, was Africa's largest and last port of exit for slaves. All right. Now, this is the facts right here. The problem historians now say all of a sudden now. It's is that much of NDI's heart-rending story is simply fiction. It's fiction, all right? Numbers in question of the estimated 10 million Africans captured and put on ships throughout Africa during four centuries of slave trade, at most 30,000 left from Gori Island, all right? But probably none of them through the slave house that's supposed door of no return. Now, remember, they just told us up here the official story, right? What was the official story? 20 million, yeah, 20 million, right? But all of a sudden, what happened? It dropped to, they're being modest. This is what I want you to know, because they have to still go with the hijack. They have to say some kind of number, right? So they say 20,000, no, it was actually 30,000 maybe. That's a huge percentage drop. Like if you're a mathematician, that's, that's huge. That's, that's rewriting history. Yes, that would be rewriting history all right there alone. Now look what it says next. Probably none of them through slave house, argues Philip Curtin, a retired historian slave trade expert at John Hopkins University, <laughs> a historian and slave trade expert. See, that's the thing. When I started reading into and studying to the slave trade, when I started going into the primary sources, the historic records, the voyages of what, where they were going, where's the ship's landing, where's their voyage, it's all recorded you would see that they were enslaving American Indians. That was the plan the whole time. The labor was already here. All right. Now, certainly not a place where, where slaves were be kept. He's, okay, so it says, the Salmon Colored House built in 1775 as the home of the wealthy trader is architecturally one of the finest houses on Gori. Certainly not a place where slaves would be kept, he said. Instead, Africans captured in the region left the continent via major slave shipping points established at the more accessible mouths of the Senegal and Gambia rivers. 
So he's saying it didn't happen from that house that said that they told us 20 million people left from. It left from other areas of Senegal. But then it says places where no history of slave trade in past remains. So I'm asking you, you're, you're logical, right? You're there, you're reading this. So where is he getting the numbers for 30,000 if there is no history of a slave trading past, if it doesn't remain? Where is he getting these numbers? Can he show me the sources? Now, what I want you guys to do, what I teach my followers is to question everything. Everything you read, please look for a source. That's how you catch them. If you don't see footnotes, you got to question it. And if you do, even if the footnotes is there and you go to the book it, and you got to go question, you got to go see why that author is saying what he's saying, because they only choose little sentences out of books. And they're leaving the things out, the context, read the book, you only know one sentence they quoted from. So they're hijacking the narrative a lot of the time. All right. So it says, all right. So there's no history real there. There's no actual history of, of anything leaving Senegal. They haven't found the voyages that say they went to Cape Verde with slaves to enslave them and send them to America. That's not recorded anywhere. When you go to slavevoyages.org and you see the numbers of the slaves, and then you go to the census records of the United States and you see the population numbers, it doesn't match millions of free people of color or millions of Negroes, and then you got only 100,000 coming in, or like we just read there, 30,000 leaving Senegal. It's not, it's, that numbers don't add up. And this is something they know we don't even look into. We don't even bother looking into that or verifying those numbers in slave.org or like I said, checking the sources they're getting their information from. I know this sounds like a conspiracy, but once before this presentation is over, it's gonna make a lot of sense to you. That's how it says, while the conditions of African slaves' face were undoubtedly horrific, the slave house curtain said is a hoax, and Gori was a marginal to the slave trade. It didn't do it, no significance, all right? Now, I just wanted to read that, right? Because, hold on. On another end, from what I researched, what you can research, we are getting sources that are letting us know who is arriving to Cape Verde, really? Since we know Senegal wasn't a big major, it's very marginal, then that whole story that Cape Verde was populated by from Senegal, you gotta cancel that out. That's not true. And 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 I and I and I challenge you to, to debunk that or debunk me. I challenge you to research that. If you ever go into my channel and actually start following me or Kiko, question me, question Kiko question our sources and that's that's the whole idea it's not about people trying to sound like they know more than anybody or that i that i have an agenda or anything like that or i'm trying to be self-aware i'm telling you you're not an african that's not what i'm doing I'm, I'm i'm letting you know who you are historically with records orally everything all right ethnology anthropology archaeology we're not just talking about because um i don't know if you guys know uh kiko i don't know if you've uh, do, do you know about uh, roots the movie uh, yes, I know about the, the plagiarism of, um, uh, it, it was actually a, a, a court, the winter court, where it was found to be one of the greatest acts of plagiarism by, um, uh, what's his name there, um, uh, Alex Haley. 
He plagiarized exactly. uh, the book written by um, uh, a white gentleman named um, that wrote the book, The African. And, um, and he lost that case uh, terribly and had to pay. So, um, yeah, so, so, so it, and the, the, the African, the, the book was actually a fictional uh, story. There you go. Yeah. That, that's the most important thing about it. Uh, I think Kushler, something, Arthur, something, I, 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 the name skips my mind, but I yeah. know it's a, it's a real uh, case that went, um, it went to, actually, I learned about this from um, the person that brought it to my attention. It was when um, Dick Gregory, the late, great Dick Gregory. Exactly. Uh, he talked about how Alex Haley plagiarized uh, the African. It was a real court uh, case. They lost it, and he had to pay out something like eight hundred thousand uh, dollars for that. And the, even the yeah. judge wrote that it was one of the worst cases of plagiarism that he has ever seen. But again, yeah. people, don't, <laughs> people don't know about that. I, I've posted okay, well, this a few well, years ago on my okay. okay, so that's a great example. So, you know, I was saying, you know, this sounds like a conspiracy, right? But uh, I wish we can do a poll to see how many of the your followers right now knew that right this yeah, is major this was a this is major news that didn't come out in the news you understand like he lost this was a fake story they pushed it on us and they still pushing it on us because they have a new series called roots there's a tv series roots now and they got all their little agents pushing it all their little what you call what they call uncle uncle tom's right or you know like yeah, yeah, Africa and the, the actors, right? They know they're Freemasons. Now, Roots is a fictional story, right? That's when, in the, uh, basically in the 70s, was when they're like, they knew we were about to wake up. They knew we were about, eventually they couldn't hold the lie anymore. We we're about to get information. We're, gonna, we're starting to learn to read and do on our own and do our own research, becoming professors and stuff. So they had to put a lie out there in the 70s and they brought out the movie Roots. And then that's when everybody fell for the whole African thing. Before that, nobody was saying they were African. And I talk to Bretos all the time now that they're realizing they're not African because their grandmas always told them. Their grandparents always told them. And this, every Preto has the same story that their grandma or grandpa is Cherokee, this or Wampanoag or Creek or Blackfoot, right? And they always thought that it was just part or a mixture, but no, they're the actual real American Indians. Now, I know I'm like, who do you mean, but who's these Native Americans? Key word, Native American. They do that on purpose. Anybody born in America or living in America is a Native American. That doesn't make them an indigenous person. And they do that on purpose by giving them that title. The more Asian, light-skinned people came later. There was Aboriginal people here. As we know, they, we already know there was, they found the Olmec heads and all this stuff. That's just one little thing out of all the evidence that we got, all right? Now, Roots, again, I, I like to, uh, this is, I, I like to do this because people need to understand that they was playing with our emotions, right? Like people, like they were really messing with our emotions and they were like, we have to really, um, like we gotta, we gotta really push this into them, all right? So this is what you, this is what they want you to picture. This is what they want you to picture all the time. But we're going to show you that in your history specifically, especially, 
There's no history of this. The most you guys were were indentured servants contracted to work on the whaling ships. Other than before that, when Portuguese were bringing them over there and they were still indentured servants over there in Cape Verde. You know, slavery, as the status slavery didn't come until after, after 1670s in Virginia. And that was way after already they had already supposed slaves over here. All right, so these first slaves were actually indentured servants. The first uh, 20 odd uh, Negroes supposedly that came in in 1690, they were actually indentured servants. They weren't even slaves. They had a contract and they had their freedom after seven years and they got land. And that's the guy I mentioned earlier, Anthony Johnson, who was one of the first, actually the first person to hold somebody else for life as a slave. And it was another black man. All right, so the history they told us is what I'm trying to tell you right now is, is bull. You know, you got to unlearn that. It's a spell. We got to break that. All right. So to my other screen real quick. Sorry. Okay. Actually, where am I? Sorry about that. I got some live uh, on, on my Facebook page for some reason it keeps. Okay, I'm back on live. Okay, here we go. You see my screen again, right? Okay. Are you able to see my screen? Yes. I'm actually looking at, at it from the from the Facebook page live. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So let me just read a couple more things. All right. All right. Okay. All right. We're going to get to the uh, Wampanoags for sure. The lost slave history of Cape Verde is being unearthed. CNN travel. All right. So let me just see if I can zoom in. So it says founded by Portuguese colonists. We're, we're going to get the hijack thing again, always. All right, so, but it's going to say something very key in this article. So founded by Portuguese colonists, the island nation of Cape Verde draws its influence from both Africa and Europe. Really? Okay, let me see. Where's the source? Oh, no footnote. Where's the footnote? Let's see where's the sources for this. Oh, guess what? No sources. So this is what I want everybody to look at. This is what I want you to train yourself to automatically read something. Like, oh, no, but it says it there on CNN. All right. <laughs> Always ask for the sources. Look into the sources. As, as reporters, they should know better. They should know this because that's the whole thing about reporting. You got to have sources when you report something. All right. So this is just basically the same Kunta Quinte story. That's the only reason they wrote Africa right here. Because you see people of dark or melanated people. All right. New finds from archaeology have brought to life fresh evidence of Cape Verde's role at the center of the transatlantic slave trade. So that I won't deny. Very important. Cape Verde was a very important stop between that side of the world and this side of the world. So it is very important. It's just we're seeing it in reverse. Cape Verde's oldest city. All right. Let me see. This person just found the island. Like the, there's a part about whaling. That's what I was looking for. 
So again, for people that's coming in uh, through Facebook, what we've been talking about, um, uh, what happened is that the, the live kept dropping off and we've been, we've already, but I, I'm gonna post this video again in its uh, full um, context where people could, could catch up. But if you're coming in into Facebook, into this live right now, it's good because we're, we're getting to that nice part. We're, we're about to get to that part where a lot of things are gonna sink in and make sense. Um, okay. But what we've been talking about- I found- Yeah, go ahead, Kulima. Yeah, I found the part I was, uh, so yeah, basically, um... Go ahead, Kiko. No, no, go ahead. Um, I was just uh, yeah. alerting. So in this article, the very the one very thing that stuck out to me, which I didn't think I was going to find in this article, was meanwhile off the coast lie multiple untouched shipwrecks, evidence of a transitional moment in Cape Verde's history when the slave trade declined and the archipelago was forced to repurpose itself, becoming a port of call for whalers and ships on transatlantic journeys. All right, for whalers, very important. Cape Verde was actually not just a, a specific place they landed. It was the main place the whaling ships went to when they went to the side of the world. It was the first place you encounter. It's where you get water. It's where you get supplies. It's where you do trade. It's where you get, you know, if you want to go more deep, it's, that's where your stop is. And then if you're going back down to South Africa and stuff and you're coming back to America, you stop in Cape Verde on the way back. All right, so very important, Cape Verde, all right? So these whaling ships were going over there, all right? So again, before that though, right? Let me just read this. We're talking about 1708, talking about whaling, but before that, get this in your mind because we already read two sources. This is a different source, all right? After, all right, so it says, It says, on January 3rd, 1494, Columbus proposed to the Spanish crown that the enslavement of Americans would pay for the cost of the conquest, not Africans. Colon and his compatriots first began to enslave Taino, Arawak people who were neither cannibalistic nor warlike. La Casas noted. Um, de las Casas, a famous uh, uh, Jesuit or priest that was over there during the uh, colonial times. And he wrote actually, he wrote several books and, and he explains exactly what was going on and what the Spanish and Portuguese were doing and who they were enslaving. And nowhere in his book, he says they brought Africans. So I wanted to stop you right, right there so we, you, we could address this point. Bartomeu de la, de la Casas was, a, uh, was a, a priest that accompanied Columbus, I think, on the second voyage when Columbus started going genocidal um, and started killing and, and doing very barbaric uh, acts against especially the Tainos. Now, on De La, de la Casa's uh, journal or the, the, the things he wrote, uh, from what I understand, he has suggested to the king of Spain at the time, the, the Isabel and Fred and I, to stop the mistreatment of the and the enslavement of the of the natives in America, and suggested that instead to 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 use the Africans. What 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 is the truth on that? Okay. That's the narrative. Okay. Um, that I'm yeah. Again, it's 
and he said, Negroes. That's the, what I'm saying. When you go to the actual source, he's okay. saying Negroes. Negroes, not Africans. Negro doesn't necessarily, in that time especially, doesn't necessarily mean African. They were calling anybody dark-skinned a Negro. They were even calling, ne ne uh, what's it called? And, and, and Preto, what is it called? Preto de Terra Nova, which is South America. They were calling them Blacks, the Indians, right? Can you, can you, show, can you show a few images of some of these, uh, these uh, Negroes or Negros that uh, the Hispanics, uh, Spanish conquistadors were running yes. into uh, from the South America, Central America, and, and also in the Caribbeans, just so people could get an idea of what we're talking about. I'll just go to my Instagram real quick. Hold on. There you go. Okay. All right. So, oh, this is a drawing, but I just want to show this real quick. Just real quick. I have a lot of videos on this. So in Germany, when you go to the Germany and all these old buildings, paintings from 1600s, 1700s and churches, this is like in a wall. Like this is the Virgin Mary church in Germany. You can look it up, Google it. You can go there if you like, and if you want to view it yourself. All right. Now, this is not just one church. I have a, three videos, three, four hours each of nonstop images of paintings of them painting America black. All right. So I want you guys to you know, understand that this is there's a whole. OK. So I see Niboini. Right. We, we don't need to stay too much on it, but I just All wanted right, to me. just show a few uh, because a lot of those natives from South America, they were very, very dark skin in complexion. Yeah, I mean, look at this. Not just in South America, <laughs> all over. Let me let me show you um, the pottery. Well, look, right? They're gonna tell you these are Africans, right? But African, see this dress? That was the Indians, like they were dressing like that. That's tobacco leaves. And the garment. Tobacco grows in America. Tobacco is a native plant of America. Africans don't know how to grow tobacco. You don't bring people from a foreign land to grow something that's domestically grown here by native people or indigenous people who are experts at it. And when the colonists got here, the Powhatan in Virginia had fields of tobacco already, plantations on their own before colonists did their plantations. All right? Especially the Powhatan. All right, these are the, the Narragansett from Massachusetts, and, and this is a Hassanamisco Nipmuc from Massachusetts. This is supposed to be the last living chief of the Hassanamisco, full-blooded. And you say, well, Karima, are you sure they ain't African? No, I'm very sure. You can research this. Look up, Google the last Hassanamisco chief. You'll see, I don't say nothing about him being mixed with African. All right. Can you, can you uh, quickly show uh, some I'm, images of a uh, older? I'm going to show. I'm going to show a video I did on the Narragansett Hassanamisco Nipmuc people. Just not the audio. Just the just like the. Uh, right. Yeah. So let me just show you something real quick. This is going to. All right. So this is a picture of the. Uh, Algonquins, they say Algonquin, but this is a mix. They mean Algonquin is a language. It's the Algonquin speaking tribes, which were the Wampanoags, the, you know, the Narragans. They all spoke Algonquin. All right. 
for people no. at home, uh, we're talking about the region of the entire Cape running all the way through uh, Rhode Island and parts of Connecticut. These were the native people from that area. This right here specifically, this is right, this is in Massachusetts, this picture. Right. Right, and that's the Hassan Amiskochi right there with the headdress on his head, who's supposed to be the last living, full-blooded Hassan Amisko chief. Now, this is in black and white, but when you colorize this image, you start seeing <laughs> people that look like you guys. Like, there's no, like, mulatto looking, you know what I mean? Like, they're, 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 they look mulatto, but they're not mixed, all right? Now, Jack Forbes in his book, African and Native Americans, he showed us the sources and I went to it that clearly show what they were labeling people, mulatto, black, um, Negro, colored, who were Indians with no mixture. If you guys don't know about the Walter Plecker and the Racial Integrity Act in Virginia, Google it, because he basically wrote down in the Racial Integrity Act, from now on, Indians will be referred to as Negroes. All right, this is real history. Things they will never show you in textbooks, things they will never show you in school because you're supposed to be Kunta Quinta's ancestor who's a fictional character. You know, a lot of the times I talk sarcastically and stuff, but it's because I've done a lot of studying in this. And to me, it's just like really, I'm at the point where like, I can't believe that it's still, and we, we, we're so entertained, we're so distracted in the news and on purpose. Because we are waking up right now, you know, guys. Because you guys are like family to me. To realize, first of all, that there was people that looked like this here. So when we're saying, you know, hold on. When we're saying that, all right, I'll show you those images soon. Yeah, you keep staying on that image. I was hoping that you could switch the image. Okay. Okay. Like. Um, yeah, like this guy or? Right, right. I've right, seen a lot of those images already on Facebook. Okay. All right. So these are Narragansett people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, like, yo, Kiko, you go in there, you'll get lost. You put on, you put on their, their clothes, you fit right in. Right. And, and one of the interesting things is that I know for sure in, uh, in the island of Hope where my family's from, I have some family members that literally look Native American. You know, I have a great aunt that literally she looked like, like she could be just completely like one of those Native Americans with the two long hair, just like that girl uh, over there, like just like that, all the way to, you know, um, uh, all the way to, to like literally passing um, the the, the the leg in, you know? So okay. it was like, it was amazing. Like, I'm like, wow, that's, uh, even my daughter, she gets uh, a lot of times people will ask if she's Indian. I used to get called if, I'm, if I was Indian, but I do have a, a part of my family that has that, uh, that complexion and the features, the uh, facial features and so forth. So I've always thought that was interesting. So again, for the people that's coming in on Facebook, what you're trying to say is that there were 
uh, Native Americans from the Northeast area, specifically from the Cape, uh, from the Massachusetts and Rhode Island, today's those states that actually went to Cape Verde. Uh, are you saying, are you claiming that this was prior to the enslavement by the Europeans that came in or? After. After. So after the Europeans after. came in. There was already, there was already um, many Indian tribes that were brought over since the 1500s to Cape Verde. That's what I was just showing before. Yeah, that was what I was reading. Because remember, Columbus is 1490s, right? right? So, so we can get a reference. Whaling and all that didn't come popular until the 1800s. Early That's 1800s. About, huh? That's like three, almost 300, 300 years, years later. 300 so, years later. So now you got a whole people that, you know, um, what you call it, multiplied, mixed together. We're talking Indians. Ma right. Majority are Indian tribes. Was it mixing together in, in these islands of Cape Verde with, I'm not going to say, you know, you can't leave the Portuguese out, right? You guys know that already, right? Right. But then you're like, well, why, why we don't we look more like, you know, like you guys should be more like extreme black or extreme white. Like, you know, shouldn't be so like looking like these people so much. Like I'm talking about complexion. The honest truth is that this is a, probably a, a bomb for somebody that might not know this, but in 1490s, up until 1700s, Spain and Portugal was Moors. It's Iberian, Moorish, Los Moros, the Moorish people. And these are the pirates, the navigators. These are the same people that were coming and enslaving the Indians. A preto coming and enslave other melanated people. Both of them today would be called African-Americans if they lived in the States. You understand what I'm well, saying? Like, well, well, so let, we, let's people go back, already... Let's go back a little bit. Let's go, let's go back a little bit. So with the... With the sacking of Grenada in Spain, um, the, the Catholic monarchs headed by Isabel and Ferdinand took control um, through what they call Reconquista and they, um, they started the Inquisition where supposedly they killed one third of the, the Moors and uh, the Jewish people that were there. They, they kicked out or exiled the other one third, and then they converted something close to one third. So, just for reference, let's look at that, uh, at that point. Now, they had the option. They had the uh, option to convert. To convert or leave. Or or leave or die. Or die. Right. So, at that time, the, a lot of them, many, of them, many of them actually converted, and this is what you call a morisco, which is a, right. a convert. That's why right, you call but them but these people were so, not in control and, uh, at a lot of cases even the uh, the, the gentleman there that uh, that uh, uh, went with Columbus that actually they you know it's claim it's documented that he was the one that saw the uh, the, the land first and helped Columbus uh, uh, reach Espanola. no it's 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 facts right. it wasn't Columbus it's right. facts so um, the name skips my mind but any anyhow uh, at that time, these Moors were not in control. So I think to label them from um, on the uh, uh, as the ones enslaving, I think that, you know, I'm not too comfortable with that because it was, by this time, it was the Catholic monarchs from Portugal and Spain that was doing the enslavement. Now, I understand there were also Jews. There, 
that were there are also a lot this, of the this, slaves and a lot of these Catholic these Catholic monarchs. Well, that's what I'm saying. Sephardic the Jews people. also converted. These Sephardic Jews also converted, so they wouldn't get killed. Remember, they kicked right. out Jews and Muslims. And in Moors, fact, right? in fact, the the finance minister of uh, Ferdinand and Isabella was a Jewish man. I forgot his name. He was the one that actually put up the money together to finance for Columbus uh, uh, three voyage. From what I understand, he was the one that came up with the money. Santiago. I forgot his name, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the queen exactly. It wasn't the queen. Right. It was he got financed privately, privately. by somebody. Yeah, yes. was, he was the one that put the, that that got together with uh, other Jews within the this, Iberia. The thing is, okay, they put it together. So this is the thing about. So pick up. This is the here. thing. Of, yeah. Okay. So you know, like, all right. So you know, I I try to go not on thinking or assuming or or try to like, it has to. You know, I try to go get to the down. You know, get to the bottom of it, right? So first thing we got to think about is we can't automatically assume that the people who removed the Moors were white. That's the that's the that's a big mistake. Okay. That's number one mistake. That's the number one mistake. Charles V was black. Right. He was the Holy Roman Emperor. All right, Ferdinand and all these people were black. I got the images. Real paintings that they never show you. Man. All right, so what, what I'm trying to say is I'm not just blaming Morris. I'm just saying <laughs> it's not the white man. Like uh, we think it's just the white. They, that's a whole hijack too. We can't just blame white man. And, and I have the actual primary sources to let you know who's on the crew to pass this, these ships. And it was mainly Moors. Remember, they're getting kicked out. They're losing everything. Remember, right. listen, th listen. The Inquisition that happened in that happened in January or March of that same year, 1492 is when the Jews and the Muslims that 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 happened in 1492. Right. That same year, Columbus left. That same year, this is all going on at the same time. So where are these Moors going that are getting kicked out? especially ones that got lost everything and they get a chance to go gain the riches of America and which did happen. So right. what I'm, I what I'm trying to say is, off. I just, I, I, I wanted to just kind of put that point in, but uh, pick up from where you left off. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So like, I'm not here to like ask on any people fact i try to like if if my people did wrong i'm gonna say it like if i find a coastal ring was really wrong i'm gonna i'm gonna hey, if history is history right like so again different source so he said hey this enslaved the americans right lacazas noted this is what lacazas said he says he will finish in a very short time consuming all the people of this island haiti because he was determined to load ships which would go to castile in, in, in spain with slaves and to send them to sell to the Canary, Azores, and Cabo Verde Islands and wherever he wanted so that they might be sold well. And upon this merchandise was derived the supplies for the meeting and the cost and to excuse the crown from any cost as with major uh, granary. All right, so we, we, we're going to 
you're gonna find like when you start researching this, you're only gonna find sources that are saying where these people are go like who's really going into Cape Verde. We already know Senegal that's marginal. That didn't happen. There is no slave voyage, and I challenge anybody again to find me that slave voyage, that ship, because they recorded this stuff. This stuff was business. These people didn't just go and randomly. Everything was an expense, and everything usually was financed by somebody else, and they had to account for everything they did and everywhere they went and all the uh, expenses they had and incurred so that people can pay for it. All this stuff is recorded. They'll tell you, no, oh, it's so long ago, none of this, we don't know, it's an estimate. Yeah, no, that's bull. Everything is recorded. Go to the actual primary sources. Read the whole book. Don't just read one little sentence that they want you to read. You know what I mean? Read the whole book. See what they're saying from their own mouths, all right? Like this one. This is from La Casa's own mouth in the 1500s. To to K30 from Spain. So they go to where? From here to Spain and then to Verde. And I have a whole book. I have a whole book. It's in Spanish, but I have a whole book about how many Indians or Negroes went from Seville to K Verde. Like it was major, major. So they would go, I guess, bring them over there, mark them up, register them, give them names, and then ship them to where they sell them, which was Cape Verde, all right? All right, I know I'm going all over the place and it's a lot of people, oh, no, no, a lot of people, no, go, Africa, the dream. Go at the same, the, the same way you meant to, to, to go, just, uh, just keep going. Okay, now, okay, so my, my main point with showing that slavery thing was to let you know that before the Wampanoag went over there, there was already Indians over there, okay? There was already native people multiplying for two, 300 years and CV. That, that slave population from Senegal is false. That's the first thing I showed you here so you can just get that out of you, like that's false. If you believe I'm wrong and Chicago Tribune and the other guy who did the research, the expert from John Hopkins University, you believe is wrong, debunk him. That's what I try to do. That's how I got into this. I was trying to debunk these people. I wanted to make sure this was real. I wasn't. I didn't want to come out and do a channel and look like a fool. And somebody's like, "Yo, Krimel, you didn't even do research here." All right. So, and can I just play this? I want to play with the audio. This is a very good video. It's not long at all. It's only seven minutes. Is is that okay? No, go ahead. Okay. Let me know if you hear it. Yes. Ashima and Storm. They're sisters. They're members of the Wampanoag tribe. The girls live typical lives in Massachusetts. They go to school. They ride bikes. They hang out and have fun. But sometimes they get to do something very special.
They show others what life was like for their people. people 400 years ago. That's what some members of the tribe do at the Wampanoag home site. Let's go for a visit. We'll step back in time as the girls show us what life was like for the Wampanoag people in the 1620s. The Wampanoag have been living in the Northeast for thousands, thousands. of years. They were the group of people that the pilgrims met when they first arrived in America in 1620. Here we are at the home site. The sun rises. It's time to wake up. The family is cozy in their Witu. A Witu is a Wampanoag home made of branches and tree bark. It's a warm, clear day. The girls go outside and have some breakfast. Their sister cooks it over an open fire. <laughs> they eat in a sump, which is hot corn porridge. Can you guys make that? They sweeten their nasamp with berries. They're a little thirsty. Time to get a drink. A spring runs through the home site. The girls dip hollowed out gourds into the water and fill them up. The water is cool and fresh. Parents encourage kids play and have fun. The girls love to play a game called double ball. Nice catch. Kids also help the adults out with chores. The Wampanoag grow corn. Big flocks of blackbirds want to eat the corn. The girls climb up high and yell and shout at the blackbirds. They're like human scarecrows. They scare those hungry birds away. Time for a break. Girls pick some sumac berries with their dad. Then they brew them into a delicious hot tea. One more cup, please. The Wampanoag live by a river. The girls take a ride on a machine to visit friends up the river. Machine is the Wampanoag word for boat. It's made from a tree trunk.
The girls grind some corn for stew. Corn. It's a chore, but it's also pretty fun. Yep. Their mom cooks quail over the fire. She'll put it into the stew. Oh, we got that. <laughs> I know, man. It looks scrumptious. I know. The girls relax by making some beads out of clay. They'll make them into necklaces. Storm shapes one of her beads into a spiral. It's been a long, busy day. The girls are getting tired and the sun is going down. before time. And then they cuddle up and go to sleep. Their bare fur blankets are so warm and soft. Good night, girls. Hashima and Storm love showing what life was like for the Wampanoag long ago. But they also love being typical modern day kids. Come to our thing. That's all right. So I just wanted to show that one real quick, uh, just to help people visualize like who we talking about. Like um, now, this is look, Scholastic. I don't know if you guys know Scholastic. They used to make a, a magazine, and it's very scholarly. Actually, they they give it to all the elementary schools and everything. And this is one of their documentaries. All right. So nowhere, I don't know if you guys know this, but nowhere in this video did they say these were mixed Africans. Did you hear that anywhere? No, these are Wampanoags, all right? And I'll be honest with me. Can they pass for Cape Verdean? Absolutely. All right. All of them. Now, okay. So now maybe we would have seen these people before knowing all this, right? We'll be like, well, yeah, they're Wampanoag, but they have to be mixed with African, right? And that's because our hijacked mind and what they indoctrinated us with is like we we actually do the rebuttals for them they trained us well to rebuttal their own hijack like they they have us trained because our minds is, is, that's what says the spell we got to break we got to unlearn all that stuff you got to empty your cup and i'm you know you know i'm talking to you the converting people you know and i'm not just anybody who just randomly no i grew up with you guys you know and so it's i mean and i could have done a video about because i have many documentary videos but I didn't want to do this video without the input of the K-Birding community. And I didn't want to just do this without you guys understanding, you know, why I'm doing this. And, and, and I didn't want you guys to think, you know, it's, it's, it's African self-hate or anything like that. Or we're trying to bash on other people and, you know, and, or, or try to raise somebody's culture. And not. 
because a lot of the stuff you find in Sevilla that we assume is African, actually it's from over here too. And that's a whole different story. Let me talk about drums and all that and all that. That's that that was here too. It, there's no there's no uh, proof that all oh, that started over there. They'll tell you that because they want you to think, oh, that's an African thing. Oh, voodoo, that's an African thing. We had that stuff here. We did medicine. We practiced rituals. We had santeria. We had all that here. You know, they ended up, you know, labeling all this stuff African because it was people of melanated complexions doing it. So automatically it became African, but it was not that. All right. So that was uh, one video. I wanted to start reading about uh, the whaling. Let me see if I can. Well, first of all, let me read this. This is actually from uh, a website that was talking about um, Keyvernia is not, you know, like the way that you guys have had to fight to get classified correctly. Know how I know, man. Like I know you guys didn't have always converting in the census, so you had to put white, Portuguese, other, Negro, Black, African American, but you couldn't put right. They didn't have converting back in the day. You know now they do that because that helps them with the hijack a little bit. And even though you guys, I know you guys are proud Creoles, and you're not gonna forget that part of your history. And I'm not telling you to, but like the video said, you were here thousands of years. You cannot compare thousands of years to 400 years that you were in captivity in a specific part of the world. You, you can't forget what's before that. There's a whole history before that. And the people that were being brought to Cape Verde, these Criollos, what we call today, they have a history too. They have a genealogy. You guys have a history. You guys have a genealogy. And I know a lot of you have this information already. A lot of you probably thought you was yeah, you didn't know, you thought it was part or you didn't know how deep it went. You got family that was in the way ships. You got family in the barf and all that. The history is there. And, and, and now there's this is the moment to start asking questions to your elders and say, hey, what do you remember exactly? Like, you know, I know they, a lot of this, you know, you guys started, okay, Birdie came here, but that's, like I said earlier, you guys started coming back. Why do you think you came back here and didn't go anywhere else in the world? It's, it was, so, there was already it commerce. Would be, naturally, it would be because Keyverdian started coming here through the, the slave commerce. What slave no, commerce? Sl uh, I apologize, through the whaling commerce. Whaling. Okay, exactly. That's what they tell us. But okay. when we find out, do you have the image where I turned you about the whaling indentured? Okay, so we can read that. Well, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you can go ahead and post whatever you want to post. I, I, I want to I posted a lot of pictures. Uh, I just can't find it. Okay, well, there was one, one of the images I sent you, uh, it was about healing dentureship, how they were bringing the Wapanak. All right, so again, let's not forget, right, who the Portuguese and Spanish are enslaving. They're slaving American Indians, mainly, and European indentured servants. That is the principal labor force for the so-called slavery. It was Aboriginal people from America and indentured servant Europeans. This is recorded. Anybody can go just put indentured servitude. Google it right now if you like. You'll see what's gonna come up. All right. So can we can we go so, past that point? Like, can we understand that that they were enslaving? Like, I just want you guys to understand who they were enslaving. So put them out. Uh huh. Basically, to summarize this this point, your premise is, is that the the slave commerce basically started out with enslavement of the Native Americans 
throughout the Americas, from the Caribbean, Central America, South America, and then later uh, North America. But also, as the English started to create their colony here in the New England area, uh, well, first started in Virginia, and then New England area, most of the people that were coming in before the enslaved, the, the, the slave commerce, these were indentured servants from Europe, England uh, specifically. Um, all over, all over all Europe. Over. All over Irish, Europe. Germans, French, uh, Swedish, anybody that was undesirable. There was a lot of, uh, uh, like, like, you know how like today we have uh, large uh, uh, populations of foreigners in a country. Like you, have, you know, like you guys were supposed to be foreigners and you guys had a whole community in Massachusetts, right? So in these times in Europe, there was whole big communities. Like in England, they had Germans, they had a German community. France had a Swedish community. All these places already had melt pots. And they, they, all of them got rid of all their underschool people. Uh, they got rid of their convicts. They got rid of the prostitutes, poor people, anybody. They were kidnapping people. See, this is the thing. They want us to be emotional about a specific place so they can attach you to that emotionally. But this happened like for real to other people. Like we're not talking, we're not saying slavery didn't happen. People didn't get cramped up in ships. What I'm trying to tell you is not the people who they told you it was. So, so here, right? not here's the thing. Basically, at that time, and, and you could dive a little bit deep on this because I did a podcast, a two-hour podcast, talking about the black nobility of Europe. And at that time, according to several primary sources, Europe was primarily melanated people, what they would refer to as Swarthy. Uh, or Tani, and also Crow, uh, Swarthy, Tani, those were more gen Germanic terms, but it was used throughout Europe, and also uh, Crow, meaning very dark complexion from, um, from England, specifically. So basically, by changing the narrative and saying, oh, the slave trade only happened from Africa to here, it's basically removing so-called black people of today from Europe and also removing them from, from, uh, from Americas from being the, the true aboriginals or native Americans. Exactly. If, we, if we're looking at, and then placing it all in Africa and putting the narrative that all of the black people that came into the new world, they only came from Africa. When in reality, if we look at the history, they were coming as indentured servants from uh, Europe and also they were being enslaved in, um, uh, in, in Americas. Is, they, is that more or less what you're saying? Exactly. Um, yes, basically when they did the African Kunta Kinte fictional story fairy tale, they not only damaged the American so-called Negro, but they also disenfranchised the European Negro and a little bit, they're kind of fooling the Africans because the Africans think their history is about slavery. So they got all people of color with one lie. Exactly. They got all the people of color with one lie because these Europeans, so this is what's going on right now. Because of my videos and I've been on for three years, a lot of the pretos already know who they are and they're doing the genealogy and they're proving it. Like you guys are going to start seeing, like everything's about to change. And this is what this whole ride thing is, this whole Corona thing is. Things are coming out right now that they want you to not focus on.
They don't want you to pay attention to this. They don't want you to get your land back. They don't want you to fix your status. They don't want you to dig into the records and find out that it was mainly Wampanoags or Indians in Cape Verde who were black. Because so, that's the thing. You, 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 we, we see, look, this is the hijack, all right? So what's going to happen when I type in Native American? What's going to happen? I think you already know what's going to happen, right? It's going to show some $5 Indians. Yes. Now, the $5 Indians, oh, look, this is... <laughs> Look at this. this. See, things are starting to change here, man. Before, it was all white people. All right? But, you know, in general, they'll show you a more Asian, kind of Mexican-looking, kind of like... That wasn't the only Native people here. That's what, see, they only want to show you one type of Indian. They only want to show you one type of Indian. And you're right. There's the fight all the Indians who are the white... They're in the restaurants. They pay $5 to join the tribe. That's what uh, you call a five dollar Indian. People need tribes today in the reservation. Repeat the five dollar India and the Dawes Rose. Uh, so the Dawes Rose. Yeah. Oh man, the Dawes mm -hmm. was very complicated, but basically the the land of the Cherokee was Choctaw and all these people. They got taken over. Uh, they were made into lots, separated, you know, and and and, and then people were put on the rolls. They called the Dawes Rolls to list them as uh, either Indian or free people of color or Negro, whatever, and and it's. We're talking about a family, right? We're talking about because I have the records. I have my people. People show me this stuff. This is real stuff. They talk. They show me their grandmother and her sister, right? And these are I'm talking about a, a preto person, right? Their her her his grandma was a little darker. His aunt, his which is his grandma's sister, was a little lighter, right? Same. Both parents, same same, right? Because she was when we're doing the whole, you know. Uh, indentured servitude and taking people from their families and because if you're automatically born like if your mom is, a, is considered indentured servant that passes to the kids and eventually they can get sold as indentured or they can be apprenticed as well and the, the owner whoever owns his mom can do that can apprentice the kids as well you know their service for many number of years so his grandmother was labeled a negro her sister she kept she got to keep the Native American title and put on a reservation. And this is this is from the same family. And this is what was going on. They were separating people by complexion, by features. Oh, he has straight hair. Yes. They were doing this on purpose. And they were making what? They were they were basically making Negro synonymous with slave. But that took a process. That took over a hundred years. They didn't just they didn't just come in and change like that. Again, these people were indentured servants, these first Negro came. I'm talking about Negro came from foreign, wherever it was, Caribbean, South America, wherever. They, so this is one fact I didn't mention. There is no direct voyage from Africa to North America directly. All the voyages or all, okay. What's recorded coming into America, North America was from the Caribbean only. That's the only records they have. They don't have any direct voyage other than one, which I showed you, which I'm going to show everybody here. All right. So, I actually do it right now. All right, so we're going to talk about John Hawkins. Let's see if I got it. There we go. So John Hawkins was supposed to be the very first English slaver ever. He was the first person supposed to go to Africa, grab some African black slaves, and bring them and sell them to the Caribbean as property, right? Like 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 cattle. That's what told us. 
Now remember, John Hawkins. Well, you, you don't remember because Hawkins actually traveled and he did this in 1562. All right, 1562. And again, okay, again, before 1562, right? We already had Indians being brought to Cabo Verde. I'm talking about thousands. Like if like you guys go watch my videos, you will see it. Thousands and thousands and thousands of Indians being taken to Cape Verde throughout the years of the whole enslavement thing. And you know, obviously they're gonna multiply and become more populous. Years go by, you're there two, three, four generations. You forget who you are, especially if they're you're considered urban and you're not letting you read and study your own history and stuff and where you came from. And then, oh, you know, you're African. Don't worry about that. You're from Senegal. You're from the Sierra Leone. You're from this tribe. You're from, you're an evil. You're, <laughs> you're from South Africa. You're Nubian. You know, like people rep Egypt and Egypt was never enslaved. According to the official story, it was only West Africa. So how are you Nubian? How are you South African? You know what I mean? Like it, people don't understand these things. It's hijacked. It's, the, 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 their stories make no sense if you really start doing the research. Okay, so again, Cape Verdeans were being brought to Cape Verde since the 1500s. By the time this happened, which I'm going to read to you right now, which is supposed to be the first slaver, all right? Historically, I've shown you there was already Indians there. Now, we can, we can say it's conjecture to say, well, it was all Indians. But when you see the records, you see one of them. And I haven't found one from, from the from Africa mainland, I haven't found one. If they did go, it was very few. So few that I didn't get, it wasn't part of the venture. It wasn't part of the like, hey, go here and do this. We're gonna pay you. If it did happen, it was random, prisoners of war, whatever, people go and get, and get sent to Cape Verde, get mixed up with the Indians. Maybe, I'm not gonna say that didn't happen because that's, that's saying never happened. One or two, five, 10, 20, 100, 200, 300 people. That doesn't compare to the millions. And the, you know, We're talking about thousands and hundreds of thousands of Indians. When you guys see my videos, if you do get the chance to go see and you'll see what I'm talking about, the numbers start adding up to millions, all right? So it says here that Hawkins made for Tenerife and his friend Pedro de Ponte, all right? Pedro de Ponte, that's a more. You can look that up. This is a melanated person, all right? Again, he provided himself with the needful information in the very house of his rival and prospected successfully for slaves on the Guinea coast, all right? Guinea coast. And they, when they were talking about anywhere near Africa, especially the west side, they would say the Guinea coast. So Cape Verde is the Guinea coast in those times. They were referring to Cape Verde as the Guinea coast. There's a footnote here. You see number two, right? We go down to the footnote. This is a screenshot and I put it together. So we go down to the footnote and it says that basically, so remember Guinea coast, and it's gonna tell specifically where this Guinea coast is. Just at the same time, the Garad Company's fleet with the Minion as a flagship sailed for Guinea and was discomfited off La Mina. Hawkins was much aggrieved at the information given by Minion's people to certain Negro tribes near Cape Verde of nature, very gentle and loving, whom he was attempting to kidnap. So this John Hawkins in history, right? Now, I want to do having 
happened. I don't know what's going to come, but I want to do this on purpose so you guys can see basically what happens. Okay. So John Hawkins, right? Naval commander. Before it was slaver, they changed it up. You see, see, this is what's going on right now. This used to say slaver. Right? Now he's a naval commander. Okay, so it says right here, slave trader, right? So what is the official story? All right, let's see. He was considered, all right, let me zoom in. All right. He was considered the first English trader to profit from the triangle trade. Based on selling supplies to colonies ill-supplied by their home, countries and their demand for African slaves, right? Where's the footnote? In the Spanish colonies of Santo Domingo. And in the late 16th century, he styled himself Captain General as his general of his own fleet of ships and those of the English Royal Navy. And to distinguish himself from those admirals that served only in the administrative sense and were not military in nature. Now, the truth about John Hawkins is that he was a pirate. That is the bottom line truth. If you really study him, they want to give him a nice uh, title, naval commander. And you got to question this image right here. Trust me. If you watch my videos, you'll see why. They had an agenda with whitewash things. All right. So we're talking about who was mooring, mooring ships, who was the navigators, who taught these light-skinned people to navigate. It was the Preto people who navigated for thousands of years before, so-called Phoenicians, right? All right. So let me see if it says anything about Cape Verde. And um, while you're doing that, first boy, here we, here we go. Ahead. Yeah, this is the okay. So we got the actual real. This is the primary store. So this book is called Voyage and Travels, mainly during the 16th and 17th century, Volume One. Uh, this is written in the 1800s. Very scholarly. It's collected by the Haliuk Society. They collect most of the voyage uh, records that these people had. All right. This is a very primary source. This is just one example. I have many examples of the same story from different books, right? So again, 1562 is when he went to Cape Verde to kidnap the people and bring them to the Americas. Remember, there was already Indians there and there's no proof of Africans coming there so far. Hawkins formed a syndicate. Look, he's the first slaver. Slavery didn't, ex the sla transatlantic slave trade did not exist yet. We they didn't get power supposedly into the 1700s, early 1800s, and it diminished. That's when it's supposed. If you go to slavevoyages.org, you'll see that. All right. So this is way before that. We gotta have reference of what we're reading. All right. So Hawkins formed a syndicate of wealthy merchants to invest in trade. In 1562, he set sail with three ships for the Caribbean via Sierra Leone. They hijacked Portuguese slave ship and traded 301 slaves in the Caribbean islands. Despite having two ships seized by the Spanish authorities, he sold the slaves into Santo Domingo and gained a profit for his London investors. His voyage caused the Spanish to ban all English ships from trading in their West Indian colonies. So this guy did some controversial shit. All right, so they're saying they hijacked a Portuguese slave ship, right? The thing is, I already, in my videos, right? The, this video, the image, 
Spanish and Portuguese. So when these pirates, right, these English are hijacking Portuguese and Spanish ships, the cargo that these people have or their, their servants are Indians. It's not Africans. So they'll tell us, oh, no, well, they took them from Portuguese ships, not from Africa, but their Portuguese were coming from Africa. Duh. And that's not true. That's what we assume. That's what they wanted us to assume. When you go into the actual Portuguese records, primary sources, again, they were not enslaved and there's no, they, before they went to the Americas, yes, they were heavily involved, Spaniards and Portuguese in Africa. After that, no, they made a deal, they made a charter, they chartered, they split the land, right? Portuguese, Brazil, was, they had a different venture. It was a whole different ball game right now. All right, what was going on in Africa had nothing to do with what happened after in the Americas. They were having beef. They had a lot of, they were going through their thing, troubles with the Africans. They wouldn't as just go and go kidnap them, especially millions of them, because they would need to kidnap, they would need to rob even the ones that were helping them, if it was so. You know how they tell us that even their own people was helping the Portuguese enslave other tribes. But regarding the numbers, they would have to have enslaved everybody there, even the ones that were helping them, especially with the numbers. All right, so. It was in Cape Verde, 1562, not Africa, not Sierra Leone, all right? I hope you guys caught that. Via Sierra Leone, what happened? Why, why are you leaving citation needed? Do you see that? You understand what I'm like? I'm trying to show you sign here. I know you're not supposed to really believe Wikipedia too much because it can get edited, but right? It's the first thing that comes up on Google, right? First. Then people go, boom, oh, shit, oh, it was Kurimeo, what are you talking about? It says Leone here, it doesn't say nothing about Cape Verde, it doesn't say nothing about Indians, talking about Africans, all right? But there's no citation, there's no source for this. In reality, you think they wouldn't have a source for this already? Like any, any, any historian wouldn't have come up with a source and found it already written, all right? So think about that. All right, so again, we're gonna get into the whaling. All right, now I want, I, I need you guys to understand something like indenture servitude, okay? Servants, okay, indenture servitude in colonial Virginia. Because this is, you gotta really understand this to try to understand slavery. Slavery started with indentured servitude. It was a contract, even though it was, a lot of times, times it was voluntarily. People would give their service for seven years, passage paid over to come to America. All right? And that includes Creoles did the same. All right? They weren't slaves. They were indentured servants whaling. That's how they were able to come and stuff. That's how, okay, we'll bring you over there, but you got to work for us. That's a contract they had. They, they weren't slaves. A lot of the times they were volunteers. So let me just show you. All right, right here. Okay. Okay, I got it in another window. Okay. So we were reading earlier about the misclassification of the, okay, here we go. Sorry, I got so many tabs open. Lost. 
So what was this telling us here? Pretty know the story, right? A lot of the elders, uh, you know, Cape Verdean, you know, they would, and we would say because they don't want to be considered slaves or black. Well, honestly, they weren't African. That's the real truth. They didn't want to be called African. So they were like, oh, all right, let's just say we're Portuguese. Let's just say we're Portuguese. My children never knew they were black until we went outside in the neighborhood. This is a Cape Verdean speaking, said Donna Cruz, a waitress in the historical waterfront section of this former whaling capital from New Bedford. The way I was brought up, you'd never say you were black. You were Portuguese. You didn't hang around with the Negroes. You, now we're taught to have pride. All right, so remember, stay away from the Negroes who were other people that were already here, pretos, right? They, you know, you're different than them, right? That's what they were telling you. So Cruz is a Cape Verdean American, one of the thousands who emigrated to the United States over the last century to escape the perpetual poverty of their drought-swept island country of the west coast of Africa. They refer to their exodus as the only large-scale voluntary, voluntary or non-slave emigration from Africa. All right, I'll let you think about that. You guys were never slaves. The most you guys were were indentured servants. That's how you paid your way over here. But before that, you've been there for generations as the Wampanoag were being brought over there first as indentured servants. The very important thing to know that I'm about to get into is, is whaling. Whaling was started with the uh, tribes of, of New England and the Arctic regions. Whaling was taught to the world by these people. When the colonists and pilgrims and all that came, they saw the Indians doing shore whaling. And those before they started almost endangering the species, there was many whales on the shore. Like you didn't have to go too far in. Indians would be able to get whales. They were really good at it. They were the best harpooners, everything. All right. So they when the colonists saw that and saw how they can feed themselves and so many things from a whale and what does you know these people do always turn everything to a business and you know what cut down the trees pollute the earth destroy animals it was happening back then so like, oh let's make this into a business all right now let me um i i gotta i want to find that screenshot it's because everything's on my whatsapp it's on my phone it's not on my computer so that's why i was saying if you have them available i don't know if you could uh let me just uh, let me just email it to myself real quick. I send it to you. In the meantime, if you like to like say something, so I can find the image. So um, so basically, again, just to kind of summarize this, uh, based on your research, uh, Native Americans were being taken to the Cape Verde Islands by the Portuguese and the Hispanic. A lot of them were going first. To Lisbon and Seville, uh, and a, a couple of other ports in, in today's Spain, and then they would come also to Cape Verde. They would be there, and that in Cape Verde at the time was a very important, uh, a very important location because it was the in between. So for many reasons, for routes the winds that would take a lot of ships to, uh, to the Americas, it would always pick up from Cape Verde. In fact, I think there's a, um, it's been acknowledged that all hurricanes starts in Cape Verde and they show up, they, you know, they, 
the initial of the hurricanes and then it comes up in the in the Caribbeans. So we understand that there is that current that takes you right from Cape Verde to the Caribbeans and, and, and then back, where you, you don't need much effort from ships. So that made Cape Verde very important location uh, geographically. So what you're saying is that Cape Verde, uh, uh, natives would be brought to Cape Verde initially, and then once the English came into the, where we uh, today we recognize as the New England uh, region, they also started enslaving some of these tribes and now uh, predominantly the Wampanoag because those were the first ones that they encountered and, um, and also started taking them towards uh, the ports in Cape Verde. Does, does that, is that more or less summarizing it? And then with the pirates later on, um, uh, yeah. you know, stealing some of these, they were actually stealing Native Americans and bringing it back to, to the Americas. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Um, those first uh, 20 odd Negroes in 1619, same story. Same story. They were actually taken from a Spanish ship off the coast of Veracruz, Mexico, in the Caribbean, from a Spanish ship. Right? right? This ship is called the, the Sao Jao Bautista, or the San Juan Bautista. It was a Portuguese ship. Botafogo. All right? This was not a slave ship. If you read into it, it was a battalion ship. There is no official record of any slave ship ever built or found. All they have is that image they always show us. It's a blueprint. They never actually found. There's no... Look, look, even once they talked about they found recently in Louis something, research the history behind that. That water is full of ships, and there's no proof that that was a slave ship that they're talking about. Now, besides that, we have to always question the narrative, because then we got to see, okay, let's say there was a ship that came and crashed in Louisiana. That's the only one they found so far, right? Let's say it's true. Then we got, they got to show us what port it left from, what people they took. This is all recorded. If it's recorded that it got here, it's recorded where it came from. This is the stuff they don't tell you. This is the stuff, that, you know, you, you find out it was actually coming from Europe, the Caribbean, or somewhere else. And then they say, oh, well, but it was coming from Africa at some point. No, oh, you told us something else. You told it was coming from Africa directly. When I grew up in school, they told us those first 20-odd Negroes that I just told you about that they got from the Caribbean and Veracruz off the coast. When I was growing up, and I remember, because I was always into history, they told us, this is what the English did. They were working along with the Dutch. And they were get, fighting against the Spanish and Portuguese. This is, the, this is what you, the Pirates of the Caribbean and all that movie, all that stuff, this is what I'm talking about. You know how they were fighting against each other, the English and Spanish and all that? This was real history. So. Whenever the English needed slaves or wanted to go, they go raid the Spanish and Portuguese who were here already before them, enslaving Indians, getting all this gold, becoming very successful. So they wanted a piece of the pie. So they hired these privateers. They called them privateers, which was basically pri pirates. John Hawkins, Francis Drake, all of these people were pirates. All right, these weren't explorers, commanders. No, these were pirates. Pirates, pirating people, cargo people. All right. So these people, uh, um, you know, they told us in school, 
what they did is they put a Dutch flag that ship. So when it got to Virginia, it wouldn't get in trouble because English were not supposed to be doing that. So they actually, this is, this is legal, this is historic. Like you can actually research this. They, they, they faked it like it was a Dutch ship when it got to Virginia, but it was English people. It was the treasure. The ship was called the treasure that the ones that they grabbed and the lion or something like that. The white lion and the treasure. These were English ships, but they put a Dutch banner on it on purpose. All right. So when they told us, this is what they told us in school when we were little. They said that the first 20 or oh, the first slaves that ever arrived to Virginia came directly from a Dutch colony in Africa. You can pull up any textbook from the 80s or 90s and it'll freaking say that and it'll probably freaking say that right now still. I don't know. I haven't checked the textbooks. I haven't seen the textbook in years. But when I was little, that's what it's come to find out they lied about that coming from the caribbean they were stolen off a spanish ship you never it wasn't even a dutch ship and these people were not even slaves they came in as indentured servants and they got their freedom after seven years and they had their own land and they had their own slaves they took advantage of the head right system and had their own indentured servants this is historic you can research this so basically i'm letting you know it slavery was told as a fairy tale it didn't happen how they told us all right now I want you to meet, I want you to keep seeing, I wanna play this other video if that's okay. It's not long, I mean, it's just this little segment I wanna show. And this is people from Long Island, the Shinnecock people, all right? And I want, them, I want you to hear them talking and I want you to just look at what they look like and I want you to just remember something. What's going on in this uh, southern and I'm from the Shinnecock Nation and we are the original stewards of this land of the Southampton territory and our land actually was from further out towards the west um, over the canal in the Hampton Bays area and then all the way over to Wainscott. Um, and then from there on are the Montauk people. Um, so the Shinnecock are the original, um, uh, this is our original territory and our reservation is actually located on a piece of our original land so we're pretty lucky to have that you know we still have um, our resources available and um, we're learning to you know be reconnected to those resources and use them for our you know our development you know our economic development so we're learning those ways and we're hoping to um, continue to bring that up uh, um, we do struggle. I mean, we step off of the reservation every day into a whole other world. We're in the middle of one of the wealthiest places in this country. Mm. I mean, the richest of the rich, you know, have homes here. And it's ridiculous to see the contrast. You know, you see these huge mansions. I mean, these businesses, these big, big, big names. And I don't understand how people can afford to, you know, you know, but they do. And they're the top 1% are living here. And the bottom you know some of us are very much below the poverty line living on the reservation and we're living side by side mm. and it's and we do get overlooked you know people don't realize people who have lived in Southampton for years will often say that they never knew that there was a reservation here mm. in, in the town of Southampton and that makes no sense I mean didn't your didn't your grandpa you know because 
elders of this town. You speak to the elders in our nation and they remember that camaraderie. You know, they work together. You know, they were farmers, you know, and there before that, we were whalers and we were whaling together. And then at some point, of course, that, you know, that didn't go so well. They whaled all of our whales and we couldn't whale anymore. And they started to steal us and mm. trap us on their whaling ships, mm. um, thinking that we would help to bring the whales back. And no, nope. <laughs> that didn't happen. So, wow. you know, so we just, the younger generation, we've really come to, a revitalization process of our language you know i'm a preschool teacher at a preschool on the shinnecott reservation and oh, i'm shit. helping to bring the language you know back and maybe one day in a couple generations we'll have a fluent speaker you know we're revitalizing our ceremonial ways you know a lot of that has been forgotten in the Um, decolonization. Right. Anna. Any other thoughts that you have? What's your name? Um, she, Aunt, my name's Anna. Um, she pretty much covered everything, but um, it's funny that she brings up like people around here. You know, they don't know who we are, and that's that's it's so real. Like you know, the the school is just now, just now integrating uh, the Shinnecock people in their curriculum. Nowhere um, are we. That's in why Texas I, or anything. And we <laughs> this is here. why, like, I'm trying. This is this is why I I I, I wanted this. I wanted you to, you know, I wanted the Kiberian community to understand what I'm researching, what I'm finding out. As you said, look at her. Like, you're right. Look at her, man. Like, I grew up with Criollos. I grew up in Dorchester. I was there in Bowdoin Street. I was on Geneva Avenue. I was in Roxbury, you know, Dudley, all that area, man. I grew up with Criollos, man. Not tell me. Now, her name is Anna. Now, the funny thing is what you guys are going to find out when you start doing your own research, as a lot of these people were classified as Caverdian before. All right, and have Portuguese names. All right, Lisa Lopez, right? She was Caverdian. Like, like these are these are Indians, right? But they'll say Caverdian because they don't want you to link it to America. All right, so let me just uh, so she can finish. But yeah, like I want people to understand. Look, that's that's your family right there. We're not. She's not mixed with African. She's not mixed. She's a Shinnecock Indian from Long Island. And if you guys don't know, old dirty bastard, his grandfather was a Shinnecock. Right? They have a whole documentary about that. His father, people owned Manhattan and sold it to the Dutch. Old dirty bastard. They have the records. You know. So let me just uh her real quick. So. Hey bro, if you like in uh, if you have a time limit, let me we'll just speed it you know, just let me know. Yeah, no no let, let's keep it moving because when we get into the to the okay to the meat of it uh, and, and that's really what the connection yeah. I wanna make because historically yeah that will I'm, I'm, I'm we, getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's the thing, like See, you, you look at her and I'm showing you just New England tribes. Right. I can show you people that look like her, that look like you, from all the East Coast, from all the, a lot of Southern tribes. Here in Costa Rica, you know, like Dominicans, right? That, oh, why do you guys look like Dominicans, some Haitians, some Puerto Rican? You know, it's, it, there's a reason for that. Like I said, Columbus was bringing many people from Hispaniola to Cape Verde. Right? So you guys were mixing together, a bunch of Indians mixing together. You know, and that's why you guys got this whole, like, what they say, a whole nation Indians. That's your copper colored, right? You're the copper colored tribes of America. 
I just want to show you one thing before I continue, right? Oh, go ahead. We go, go to, ahead. Um, okay. So we go to, uh, where is it? Uh, Webster's Dictionary, 1828. Now remember, this is the uh, first dictionary that was, I have the actual book. I have the original 1828. I can go to it, but I'd have to find it and pull it up. But this is the online version. Uh, all right, so for the definition of American, I want to read this to you guys. Pay attention, all right? American is a native of America. Originally, originally first applied to the aboriginals, who are what? The copper-colored races, found here by the Europeans, but now applied to the descendants of Europeans born in America. Now it's somebody else, all right? So copper color, right? Very important. Let me just show you something real quick. Can you see that? Yes, sir. And that's copper, right? Right. Put your skin right next to that, Kiko. Yep. That's it, it's so many, so many different shades, right? Like there's light copper, there's really dark copper. Like even the original pennies were actually darker. Right. So when we're talking about 1828 copper color, we're even talking about a little bit darker even. Well, 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 I would say uh, just one, one quick thing about the pennies because I, I believe it was after 56, they started taking the copper out of the penny and uh, using some different mixtures. Uh, there you go. So basically the penny after 56 has no copper, just like the, the quarter and the dime, it used to be silver. But then, yeah. you know, those precious metals are, are more expensive. So they started um, um, minting those coins with basically just, you know, lead and the, the different types of uh, other metals that's not as, uh, um, you know, precious or, or as expensive. But, but the pennies of the day, they're not copper. That's why they have that lighter. The copper is the really dark one. I just wanted yep. to make that point because that is factual. You could go and see that when the U.S. Mint stopped using copper in, in the pennies and silver, in the uh, in, in the quarter, in the silver dollar, the, the 50 cents that they had. So basically, I think it was the 56 right after Kennedy was, uh, uh, I think it was right around the time that Kennedy was uh, assassinated, President Kennedy. But go ahead. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, you know, like you said, it's even darker. So, <laughs> so who are they talking about? You know, they, they're not going to say the Negro, uh, the Negro races found here. You know what I mean? The copper colored races, right? Uh, you know, remember they call Negroes colored. What they did is they just removed the copper because they were calling Indians copper colored in all the historic references. When they got here, when they got here and described the Indians, I'm not talking about this dictionary. I'm talking about Every, every, almost every colonist, every conquistador, every um, settler described the Indians as copper, swarthy, tawny, just like he was saying, you know, all right. So real quick, let's just finish with the girl. In a five mile radius of each other. Um, and... <clears throat> Right now, I work under Blossom Sustainable Development, so um, we're really working with our community and with the preschool. We're partnering.
partnering with a lot of people and we're really trying to bring back that sense of sustainability and sovereignty and just being self-sufficient that we don't have to rely on the outside. Um, That's what's um, we actually have a greenhouse now. We've been growing um, greens that can um, withstand in the confusing weather on um, New York side. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but we've, um, we have a greenhouse. The kids actually came down last week and they um, learned um, the plants that were growing in there. They learned um, what we will be planting and they got to water the plants and then they're coming back um, tomorrow actually to plant sunflower seeds. Right. Um, and then we have the community garden going to um, and the community garden, the preschool that she works at actually has a plot in the, in the community garden so they'll be, um, the in-house cook will be preparing their meals with everything that the kids grow. Um, so, just I have a question um, for both of you. So in the Stolen Land Hoarded Resources Tour, one of the things that we're asking for is both to support, you know, land reclamation efforts of indigenous peoples, right? Um, but also reparations, community reparations. And I, it strikes me that, you know, I'm, I'm sure you heard about recently, um, some folks have actually gave 700 acres uh, to a tribal nation uh, back in California, right? So one of the thoughts or one of the asks that we could put out and all right, I guess let's start uh, small talk. But, but yes, I just wanted yes. you to guys, I just wanted you to guys to kind of you know visualize. So I just show I showed you Wampanoax, I showed you Narragansett, I sh now this is Shinnecock. These are all people from New England, tribes of New England. So far, did you see anybody that don't look Creole or like, or at least melanated? You know what I mean? All right, so I'm gonna. This is an article I found on, on Scribe. Um, it's called, uh, basically talking about indentured servants. Uh, again, uh, indenture, again, just real quick, is a legal contract reflecting a debt or purchase obligation, uh, specifically, oh man, specifically referring to two types of practices, a historical uses, usage and indentured servant status and a in modern usage and instrument used for commercial debt or real estate transaction. It says indentured servitude right, was a form of debt bondage established in the early years of the American colonies, right away, right in the beginning and elsewhere. It was most used as a way for poor teenagers, they're gonna say teenagers here in this article, but it was actually everybody, not just teenagers, they were bringing convicts, undesirables, people who volunteered, everything. They needed a work, they needed, remember, they needed it to fill up the plantations, all right? They would work for a fixed number of years then be free to work on their own. So is this like a, like what we think a slave is? Like, because the slave is supposed to be a slave for life, right? Like you have no rights, you ain't gonna be free. But an indentured contract or, uh, you know, servitude was like a contract. Now, it doesn't mean that these people were not treated bad. It doesn't mean that they weren't treated like slaves or property or like animals or cattle. They were, a lot of the times, it depended on the slave owner or the owner of these indentures. But that was an individual case. You couldn't generalize and say, oh, they were all treated like that because it wasn't like that in, in general. Like, it not everybody was doing that. They would use their, you know, their labor for seven years. They would feed them. They wouldn't treat them bad. And then they got to go for free. And these people actually had their own um, contracts with indentured. They got their own slaves, right? Every, every indentured servant, this is what happened. Every indentured servant you would allow or pay for to come the Virginia company will give you 50 acres of land. That's, that was called the head right system. So 
what I was mentioning Anthony Johnson earlier, when he was freed, he was one of those 21st Negroes that came in as a slave, supposedly. He was actually an indentured servant. When he got his freedom after seven years, he, all right, he took advantage of the head right system. He paid for five uh, indentured servants to come from Europe, not Africa, all right? And then he got 250 acres of land because that's five, 50 for each. And he got very wealthy. He became a very wealthy aristocrat in Virginia, plantation owner. We're talking about a black man who was supposed to be a slave, right? He came in as an indentured servant, sad slave, right? And, and he got his freedom, all right? Now look, governor, I'm just Google to see what happens. Governor calls, governor calls slaves indentured servant. Right? Okay. I'm glad I found the video. I have this in my videos. This is like I do like documentaries. Uh, while you're doing that, I have someone that, that has a question. Yes, yes. A, a lot of Cape Verdeans are getting interested in that DNA 